It's your girl, Rebecca. And Lily. And you're listening to... Just Googly Things. Hey, Boo Things, and welcome back to Just Googly Things, and we are your boozyful hosts, Rebecca and Lily. Hello. How you doing? (laughs) Hello, my baby. Hello, my honey. Hello, my ragtime gal. Okay, Lily. So we have a lot to talk about before we get into our subject today, which I actually thought your idea for this week was pretty cool. Um, Gets us into the spooky spirit a little more, Um, which um, I I did want to start off by saying that last night, um, you probably saw on my Instagram story, if you don't follow me, follow me at Rebecca Ruber. Um, But I did join Jane Allen Ross's Uh, video conference Uh, he's doing a virtual library book tour of his book the haunting of dylan claypool and yesterday was kind of his kickoff and he was running it out of uh, i believe it was ontario i think was the uh, was technically where it started yeah the ontario public library and uh, he had a group of people on the zoom call and he talked he read a little bit from his book He kind of went to depth of what inspired him to write the book, and he answers questions at the end. It's about an hour long, and it was just really fun. Um, It really felt like you were there watching him live, and the way he interacts with everybody, it's a really fun time for that hour, and you get to meet other paranormal enthusiasts, other book enthusiasts, so... Um, he still has a couple of slots left for his other tours. Um, his next one's going to be on October 22nd um, for the Keene Public Library. Mind you, these are not actually at these libraries. It's just the libraries are hosting them on Zoom in replacement of actually going there. So all you're going to do is when you sign up through him, um, you'll get an email from that library giving you a link to the Zoom. Um, then October 23rd, um, he'll be hosting it at the John G. McAuliffe Library. Uh, October 27th at 6.30 p.m. is the Gates Public Library. And then October 28th at 7 p.m. is the Ossining Public Library. Um, his Instagram is at James Allen Ross, J-A-M-E-S-A-L-A-N-R-O-S-S. Um, and you can sign up using the link in his bio, I'm pretty sure. I'm just clicking it to mm-hmm. double. Yep, you can register. And he has, like, he literally breaks it down, like, to register for what specific uh, Zoom virtual event you want to go to. And it's super easy. It took me five seconds to download. And, you guys, it's free. It's free. And, like, I, I feel like it's perfect also. If you're a paranormal enthusiast, and, like, I know that a lot of us are kind of, like, branching out from covid you know, like the quarantine, but it still couldn't hurt, you know, to spend an evening inside. Definitely. And, you know, and now- it seems like a cozy way to do it. You know, I, I, I personally was at work and I think I might be at work for the next few, but if it changes, you know, I will be attending one as well because, uh, he's just, he's also just like a great guy. Like if you listened to when we were doing the spooky story quarantine special, Um, we had him on Mm -hmm. and he's like just as all about it as we are. And to see him like, and us sharing a passion, right. And expressing it in different ways, right. Like we have the passion for the paranormal expressed via a podcast. And, you know, he's a very, you know, cause I've read it too. I, you know, he's a very talented writer and storyteller. Yeah, like his books, I feel like, like I've read two uh, two of the books uh, from The Haunting of Dylan Claypool. Well, there's only two right now. There will be a third one coming out. Um, mm-hmm. But I actually feel a connection to the characters. I feel like I know them. Like when you're reading his books, you feel immersed. Like you feel like you're a part of the story um, yeah. and you can't put the book down. Uh, so definitely check him out. Uh, like he's like Lily said, he's a great guy, great author, and it really is a fun event. Now it's getting dark at like five o'clock in the afternoon, so you don't want to have to go out in the chilly weather. Stay inside, have some hot cocoa, and uh, he also when he was co-hosting with us, you remember Lily? He was talking about his experiences with his daughter um, yes. at some places. He actually shows, uh, he actually presents his evidence in these in, in these uh, virtual uh, events. 
So you will oh, actually wow. get to see what he heard, what he saw. Um, and it's a really good time. So definitely check that out. Um, and also, Lily, sorry, I'm talking a lot, but I also oh, want... Oh, no, it's fine. It's a nice change. I want, no, I want to plug um, our other boo thing, uh, Evan Kern. And yes. Yes, he has an event um, on October 17th, uh, which is going to be at 5.30 and 7 o'clock. And it's the Spirits of Salem, a briefish history that is presented courtesy of the Westcroft family. Uh, It's a Zoom and Instagram live together. And it's pretty much just a virtual debut author event um, where he'll be talking about his book, The Shade, A Spirits of Salem Story. Um, So definitely, if you guys are looking for another event to attend, that's going to be um, this Saturday, October 17th. There's two sessions, 5.30 and 7 p.m. I'm assuming it's probably going to be an hour long, then a half hour break, then an hour long. Um, so, yeah, just if you have nothing to do on Saturday night, which you shouldn't, you should be socially distancing, um, then okay. check out this event, too. And um, you can follow him on his Instagram. Uh, let me pull it up real quick because I want to make sure I get it right. I think it's e.s.kern. I'm going to confirm that. Yes, e.s.kern. Um, and you can go to his link in his bio and um, you can sign up through there as well. Super easy. Super, super easy. So, on that note, Lily. You need to catch us up on a lot because this past week you've had a lot going on in a bunch of different directions. So start wherever you want. So, all right. Here is where kind of our segue um, into paranormal accounts right before we get into the topic of the episode. So, as you know, um, a close, close friend of mine... um, passed away a few weeks ago we dedicated the episode to him and um i was thinking a couple days ago you know i wish because we had spoken you know a week before his passing and i was like i so wish i could hear from him one more time and i was like you know what like let me look into like i literally rebecca i emailed the long island medium like did you actually because i was I I was so hoping for answers and just to, you know, hear, you know, not hear his voice one more time, but hear from him one more time and all this stuff. So I looked online and it turns out there's a medium actually um, right by, you know, down like right in my neighborhood. Right. Like my hometown kind of neighborhood area. And he was really well recommended. And I'm pretty sure one of the reviews was from a family of a girl I went to high school with, (laughs) you know, so So super small town, like this guy's legit. He's amazing. Blah, blah, blah. Um, so he, so I, I had some things that, um, Zach had given me and I thought you know I don't know how I've never had a psychic reading before I don't know how any of this works but so I had and it was over zoom obviously not in person I had some things that he had given me with me and as he was like channeling the spirits I was holding them in my hand and unfortunately he didn't come through Mm. and I asked I asked this man Um, I think his name is Chris. I asked Chris, you know, how long does it take for someone to come through? And he said something interesting, which is depending on the person's beliefs, not, and not just, not their beliefs, but their expectations of what the afterlife could be. You know, some people are ready to communicate right away. Mm Mm-hmm. And show that they're okay, especially if it's not a sudden passing. Some people are getting more acclaimed to the spirit world, you know, and aren't necessarily settled in enough to start communicating between back and forth between the two. Mm-hmm. But I did have two people come through. Ooh, and let's hear it. To be honest, 
and I know I was kind of upset that that my friend did not come through to me because I wanted to hear from him more than anybody else in the world. But that just kind of showed to me that this guy is legit. Yeah. Because the first post on my Instagram still is in memory of my friend and all that stuff, right? Like, so if he had Googled me to try to find out things about me, obviously that would have come up. And he didn't address that. But who did come through, and I know, like, Rebecca and I, like, we know a lot about each other's, like, immediate families. And so I won't bore you and those of you who barely know me with the family connection, but I believe, Rebecca, you might have met my we called her aunt Judy. She was my great aunt and she came to, I'm, I'm, she must've come at least once to the theater production we did together. Okay. I probably met her then for sure. Yeah. Her name, we called her aunt Judy, even though she was my great aunt, my younger cousins called her grandma, aunt Judy. And because she never had grandkids of her own. We've talked about her on the show, right? I think so. Probably. And Probably in our own experiences when I was talking about, like, morning doves, I think. Yes. So he said to me, I hear a woman behind me applauding. And Aunt Judy never missed a show I was in from my five-year-old dance recitals until, like, my last performance. She was there. Mm -hmm. And she was known for clapping and yelling for me, brava, 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 <laughs> right? Because she was, she was just, she was like, she was kooky. And he told me some other things about her that just fit, that just fit, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then um, my mom lost her uncle when he was in his 40s. Oh, and, and he said the way my aunt, the way Aunt Judy passed away, he got exactly right. Wow. He was like, I'm feeling pressure in in my brain and um, almost like an aneurysm. And like, I broke down because that's exactly how she went. Wow. What are the odds? Right. And then he said, and this is, and you know, and that was the second part. And the first part, I, you know, you always go into something like this, not skeptical, but realistic. Yeah. And he said, I'm seeing a young boy or a memory of a young boy in like the fifties, really into Westerns playing cowboys and Indians. Right. And I'm thinking, okay, what guy, you know, what, what boy in the 1950s wasn't watching Westerns, a fan of John Wayne playing cops and robbers, Mm -hmm. cowboys and Indians, right? Like I'm thinking realistically odds are everyone has, you know, an uncle or grandfather like that. And then he said, I'm the family tree is coming to me and it's a grandfather type, but, but removed. And he was my great, great uncle. Oh, so it's like that weird family connection where he's family, but like kind of distant, but distant. Yeah. And, um, he said, now I'm having memories of playing with a car like a, a toy car. And I called my grandmother who basically raised him. And I was like, listen, I, I told her and, you know, she's very, she believes in the, you know, in heaven, you know, and mm-hmm. she's not, she said, there's so much we don't know about if heaven is on earth, a separate place. We don't know, but I believe that, that he lived on. And I told her all these things and she said, and then he, he also mentioned a rocking horse and she said, that my, her mother, my great-grandmother, they did not, they grew up running a farm during the Dust Bowl in the Midwest during the Great Depression. They had no money. Mm-hmm. When my grandma turned 16, she had to get a job so she could buy her little brother's shoes, right? Mm-hmm. So there was no money for rocking horses. But what my great-grandma did was went to like a yard sale or something and got um, a rocking chair with wide arms. Mm-hmm. And my uncle and his brother 
would ride back and forth on it like they were cowboys. Wow. And she said, and then when we mentioned the truck, she, my grandma was like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. Because they didn't have a lot of toys. You know, they made their toys. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, the 1930s and they, you know, they were poor. They didn't have new toys. And my grandma said, no, one of his favorite memories was when I gave him for Christmas a brand new Tonga truck because we never got any new toys. Oh. And I was like, okay. Wow. And it makes you wonder why these certain people are coming through to you. But it could be that they haven't had the opportunity to speak out and now they have this vessel and because you guys are related, because you are family... It's kind of that little segue to be like, hey, like I want to, I want to get that message across that I am here. Exactly, and and I, I I was thinking like you know with especially with that uncle of mine like Aunt Judy and I were two like we were she was I mean like we were one right she was one she was whenever we would go to a family event I'd be excited to see Aunt Judy mm-hmm. and there's nothing on my social media about her. And certainly nothing on my social media about that great, great uncle of mine because he passed away before I was born. Mm -hmm. So it was just fascinating. And I think, and my grandma says, you know, I'll see things happening around the house. And, you know, I think it's, you know, I think it's my husband, your grandfather, Lil, but there's, and then there's no one there. And I think it's, it's gotta be him. It's gotta be my brother. Wow. So, yeah, and I know you had an interesting experience with a psychic, too. Yeah. Right? Or the medium, the... It was a young woman, right? Mm-hmm. Training to... Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I think it was one of the more important things. Like, um, before before I went in for... this was my fir- It was my first reading ever. And I was doing research on, like, kind of how to prepare. How can I try to channel certain people in to really get a message across? And... Um, one of the things was just don't go in with any expectation. Just let whatever message come through, come through. Mm-hmm. Like you can't, you can't make something happen because yeah. it ends up actually like messing with like the, the signals or however the psychics or mediums work. Um, and yeah, like even, and even if, like, a message comes through that you weren't expecting, you were meant to get that message. And so to embrace it and to apply it to your life um, in whatever way you possibly can. And even if the message doesn't make sense now, eventually it will. And one day you will realize it when you're least expecting it. So. Exactly. And, and and when he said this man, you know, now he's an older man and I'm feeling my heart feels tense. Like I had a heart attack and like, that's how he passed away. Wow. You know, so it was just, it was nuts. And I was like taking notes and like, you know, like I got to talk about this to the followers, you know, and the, not followers, the listeners, right. Our boot mm-hmm. things and the whole community to say, you know, definitely, you know, do some research because there are some people out there who will just Google you and find you know, what they can and be vague and tell you what you want to hear. But then there were people that there was this guy who really seemed to be in touch and he was honest too. He'd be like, I'm unsure if either, you know, and, and he, he was saying things about me that not even, you know, not a lot of people know. Yeah. You know, like those little things. Yeah, so it was it was fascinating. So I strongly encourage, um, you know, those of you. I know that there are some some religions. I was talking to a coworker of mine about it. So please don't, you know, if it's against your religion to see a psychic or a medium, like do not, you know, go do not go against it just because we're recommending it. Yes. Um. But. You know, definitely, if you've ever lost someone, give it a shot. And But do the research because, you know, you don't want to just get some lady, you know, Skyping you from, you know, Timbuktu saying, yes, um, you know, I feel like recently, you know, you were in Miami on vacation and, like, that's what's on your mm-hmm. Instagram. You know, like. Yeah. 
definitely was, find someone that like maybe is like local like you did Lily someone that has recommendations from people you know mm-hmm. um and yeah just definitely do your research first uh like we said don't go in with expectations and um yeah and that's that's pretty much that's pretty much all I got from that yeah <laughs> that's uh that's it. And all right, it's been 30 minutes. I'll tell the crazy bank story next week. Are you sure? Well, all right. Here, here's I think the I think you down. should just I think you should just go for it. All right. Well, I got my first counterfeit 20. Really? And Rebecca, the motherfucker's making it didn't even try. Oh my god. Was it that fake? It was so it said copy money on it, and it said copy money on the back, but had been scribbled out with a Sharpie. Bitch. And then it said, you know how it says on, like, Treasury United States of America on the top right of a 20? Mm-hmm. It just said United States money. Oh, my God. It was like... They didn't even try. They didn't even fucking try. And the truth is that, um, you know, just the way the bank works, in our money counters, it can detect fake bills. And the and to the naked eye, really, if you're just like, let's say someone hands you like $60, you know, and you're just like, it's not your job to make sure they're valid. You're you're working for like a gas station or a convenience store or, you know, a, a hair salon. Right. And you're just like sliding through them like you don't really stop to look. Yeah. But I mean, and, and then there was the fraud alert and the guy who came in who so when there's a fraud in the region, all the na- or an attempted fraud, all the neighboring regions get emails with a report, mm-hmm. description, vehicle, tellers who were involved, um, you know, attempted transaction, you know, everything, all the details. So we know what to expect, right? Yeah. A couple minutes later, a guy comes in, matching the description. <gasps> oh no! And. He got mad when we, I, but at the same time, I, we ID people a lot, you know, because like I said before, the, some, there are times the computer won't let us bypass it mm-hmm. and you have to type in the ID number. Like you just, you have to, to get to the next step. That's yeah. how our computer program works. And, you know, he wanted to do something called a money order and he was paying with cash and he's like, well, you know, you have my ID, you know, or no, you have my debit card. Why do you need my ID? I'm standing right here, blah, blah, blah. You're treating me like a criminal. And we're all like, uh, we, we're all like, like it, I was in the drive through but I like went out and started organizing coin trays just to try <laughs> to hear what was going on. <laughs> um, and and we're all freaking out because we're like, oh, my God, like, is this the same guy? Like, he fits the description. And then finally our manager came over and called him by name. Mm-hmm. And we were like, okay, okay. But that was like, and that those two happened on the same day, so. Wow, crazy stuff going on in our U.S. bank system, guys. Yeah, and then there's a, a Keith story that I'll tell you uh, when we hang up because it involves uh, his real name. So I, I can't I can't say it on the podcast. Okay, sorry guys. Oh, I did want to add something before we get started though, because it was something to do with the psychic and I forgot it and then I remembered as soon as you were telling the story. If you have a psychic story that you'd like to share with us, feel free to email us at justgoolythingspodcast at gmail.com. All right, without further ado, Lily, what are we talking about this week? Spooky, kooky, ooky Halloween night happenings. I love it. I am so hyped for Halloween, though. Like, I, I just started, I, I was a little late this year, okay? Because it's just, mm-hmm. it's, it's 2020, so time is just a social construct, right? So I just started. Honestly. Um, I just started Halloween decorating yesterday. Um, got a lot of skulls around, a lot of um, fake rats, some spideys. Um, but yeah, it's looking good so far. I'm just trying to get myself um, a little more into the spooky spirit. Mm-hmm. And, okay. Uh, yeah, it's good. It, it's go. It's going. It's going. Let's I'm just planning say that. some Halloween costumes, and I I know that um, 
I, I'm thinking maybe like we can plan like one of us doing our dog photo shoot, mm-hmm. which you guys are going to fucking love. The listeners are going to love. And I think we should do something. Um, we should do like a ghoulie girls Halloween. I'm so down. You guys, if they, do you mean like for like costume wise or like, yeah, for co- like costume wise. Okay, so in that case, you guys, if you have any suggestions for what Lily and I can do as, like, a couple's costume, email us at justghoulythingspodcast at gmail.com. And don't worry, Rebecca, I have some suggestions. Ooh, I am so excited for this. You guys, we are asking a lot of you in this episode, and I am terribly not sorry. Um, I hope you're taking notes. But yeah, I'm so excited. We should do an Instagram live as it gets closer to Halloween of doing like um like a like a our own virtual Halloween party and we read ghost stories to our listeners live. Yes, I was thinking or like doing like a like a like a Zoom or like a Google Hangouts maybe. That would be most so people have Google fun. accounts. Let's do it. All right, let's figure that out um, when we, like, stop, like, the episode, and then, like, we'll figure out a day and time, and uh, we'll post about it on our Instagram and all our other social media. Mostly of them are just Ghoulie Things podcast. Yeah. Okay. Lily, do you have anything else to say before we get started with these stories today? Um, if you didn't want to hear our intro and just skipped all the way to this point, you missed out. You missed out on a lot of good content. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> okay. All right. So, uh, Rebecca, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Um, I, I like... Should we just stick to tradition and I go first? I, I think I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to change it. If it's not broke, don't fix it. Okay. So, um, I found actually on readersdigest.com. Oh, Okay. I, I found a list of 17 creepy real events that actually happened on Halloween. I love it. Reader's Digest brings me back to my childhood at, like, my grandma's house where she would just have Reader's Digest, like, the small little Reader's Digest in her bathroom. And you Rebecca? Just... Rebecca? <laughs> Rebecca? What? Me too. <laughs> and you just sit on the toilet and just, like... <laughs> yes, you get lost in it. It's like, I don't even know how the fucking words because I'm six years old sitting on the toilet reading this shit. But yeah, literally. I'm not even, like, same shit for me. Like, I was at my grandma's bed and breakfast, and I can (laughs) picture the bathroom, and I would just sit there, my legs dangling off the toilet because they couldn't reach the floor yet, just flipping through Reader's Digest. With that faint floral old people smell like we've talked about. Yes. Oh, my God. We all had the same grandparents. Okay, so my first one, and before I read, um, tell me if you have this one. Harry Houdini died after being punched by a college student. I absolutely fucking don't. Um, wait a minute. I thought he died doing a magic trick. Was the magic trick not getting punched by a college student? Or is there another Harry Houdini? Oh, you know what it was? Okay, I think I know what it was. So, famed magician Harry Houdini claimed he could take a blow to the abdomen without being taken down, and on October 22nd, 1926, a student at McGill University asked if he could prove it. (laughs) Houdini, who had been sitting in his dressing room during an engagement at the Montreal University, obliged. Although he had allegedly braced himself, the student's four punches left the performer in great pain. (laughs) After suffering for two days, Houdini decided to seek medical help. But by this time, he was suffering from severe severe fever and acute appendicitis. Defying doctor's orders, he performed instead of undergoing recommended emergency surgery. When the curtains closed, the magician collapsed. Despite having his appendix removed afterwards, Houdini passed away on Halloween surrounded by family. Holy crap. Let me just Google this real quick. Like, I'm just thinking of, like, Harry Houdini being that guy at that frat house party. Like, yo, punch me, bro. Punch me, bro. I'll be good. I'm good. And then he's, like, not good. 
I really thought that he died like doing a stray jacket underwater thing. But no, he that's how he died. He died because he got punched in the abdomen and didn't. So yeah, anyway, sorry I wasn't on I wasn't so sure about that one, guys, but well, you learn something new every day, right, Lil? Yep. Okay, Rebecca. Mine are all kind of short. So Okay, that's that's fine. Mine um a lot of mine I found on Reddit. I'm saying a lot of mine. All three of mine were from Reddit. Who the fuck am I kidding? Um, so this one is titled, um, internet, would you like to load? Thanks. Okay. It's titled, I grew up in a haunted house. As it says in the title, that is exactly that. My memories of the years I lived in a haunted house aged eight to 18. It's a little long, but buckle up if you want to hear an actual account of actually living in one and not in not the Hollywood version of one. So me and my parents still talk about this, but I'm 30 and engaged now in my own home and my parents moved soon after I moved out. I guess I just wanted to get out of there because it's all true and I've tried to explain it to so many people who just don't believe it. I thought maybe this community could hear me out. The lady that sold my parents this house warned us of weird things going on, but my Christian parents ignored it and we felt we would be fine. That's where you go wrong. At that time, what could possibly go wrong? At that time, I think they thought it was all bollocks, to be honest. Okay, this person definitely has to be from the UK. Um, it was a fixer upper, but definitely a great house with lots more space than our first. Anyways, as the weeks went by, things got a bit weirder. I quickly learned when playing in the street, this was in the 90s, that children in my neighborhood thought my house was haunted. And to be fair, it being an old, tall Victorian house with a rickety, overgrown Gothic pathway, it was kind of creepy to a kid. And there were many horrible stories about things that happened inside. Kids wouldn't come around and play at my house due to this, and I earned a stigma being the new girl that lives in the haunted house at school. I kind of wish I was that kid at school. Kind of jealous. Um, (laughs) The house was three stories high with banisters running the entire way up. And out of nowhere, things started dropping from the top of the house, the lower landing through this banister gap. Proper poltergeist shit. Ornaments, vases, dog toys that were never upstairs. Our dogs wouldn't go up to the top of the house by the attic. All they would do was bark and whimper at the landing. And I was also absolutely terrified of the entire top floor. I was an only child and I wouldn't go upstairs when home alone because it frightened me so damn much. All I can describe is uh, it as is as soon as the light wasn't on upstairs, I could feel a presence there with me. An angry, bitter, cold feeling like a shadow behind me getting bigger and bigger. I'd sprint as fast as I could downstairs, and strangely, even now, more than a decade on, I still have bad dreams about my legs slowing down on the final staircase like I'm running through water and something is chasing me. That is horrifying. So, anyway, the weird stuff continued. I started knocking on a wall one evening, playing as a kid, and to my delight, it would respond to me knocking back, responding and copying my pattern. My mom started absolutely freaking out at this when I showed her, running outside to demand who was doing this um, knocking to her kid all night to find it was just a brick wall and air. No one was on the other side. On Halloween, we all heard a scream from the attic, only to brave checking it out to find it totally vacant and fine. By this point, my parents were spooked. Being religious, they brought a priest in who informed them the upstairs was very negative spiritually and they should remodel the entirety of it to try and get the spirit out. He told them to gut the attic, bless the area, and ask the spirit to leave. Okie dokie. So they began to remodel the attic into Okey a <laughs> literally what they wrote. So they began to remodel the attic into a bedroom, bathroom, etc. The spirit did not like this. At one point my father claims his leg was pulled through the floor and sure enough, his leg went through the floor into the downstairs bathroom ceiling. Oh, fuck no. Yeah. Later, when we had a guest in a separate part of the house, all of a sudden, part of the ceiling fell on his head for absolutely no reason. The builder said it was a complete fluke and didn't make sense. On the last night of converting the attic, I had the worst dream of my life, which I will never forget. My bedroom was in suite. So it had two doors that were both heavy on hinges. Like, you couldn't open them without pushing them down on the handle just for reference. So this dream... 
I was watching a man and woman argue. The woman was wearing Victorian clothes. I likened to them to Oliver, the musical characters at the time. And, <laughs> and the man was in a gentleman's suit. They were arguing back and forth, and I couldn't make out their words clearly, like I was listening underwater. She suddenly looked at me straight in the eyes and started screaming and pointing to the floor. Now, trigger warning, because this was definitely terrifying to see as a kid in a dream and nothing I'd ever seen in any film or TV show at that age. On the floor was a dead baby, face down. I woke up hyperventilating in my bed, thinking it all over, and thinking it was all over, when I looked down at my own bedroom floor to see the same dead baby, but it was crying and contorting. Oh, fuck no. Yeah. The woman slammed open my bathroom door on one of the hinges and ran across my room and out the other door. Both my doors were literally swinging, which was physically impossible. She says, is your baby now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maury, I am not the mother. Both my doors were literally swinging, which was physically impossible without someone standing doing it, and all I could hear was screams and cries. I screamed and woke again to my mom shouting for me to wake up, saying she could hear a racket of slamming doors upstairs, but when she checked, I was tucked up in bed just tossing and turning. I told her my dream, and she told me to come sleep with her. Years later, I was old enough, she admitted to me that they did research on the house after the priest visit and found information that a maid had been pregnant by the housemaster and was forced to kill or abort the baby in the attic. My mom Shocker. being Yeah. My mom being Way to go, housemaster. <laughs> my mom being spiritual but also Christian said she had tried to make peace with the spirit after learning this. Nuts, eh? This is just a sprinkling of the crazy things that happened over the years in that house. But I bet you're wondering if the conversation, etc., worked. Well, interestingly, it did for us. We were all able to sleep very happily in the new guest room, and no more poltergeist stuff went on. There was still an eerie energy in the loft conversion, but not a threat. It kind of never felt like this was our home, but I'm not sure if old houses ever do. I will say the dog stood firm and hated the upstairs the entire time we lived there. They never accepted it and would bark still. So nothing really weird happened until years later when I was 17 and I got a new boyfriend, who was awful and abusive in the end, may I add. But anyway, we were staying in the converted bedroom up there whilst I was home from uni. I had never told him any of the stories of the house as we were very new to dating. Anyway, we went to bed, watched a movie, and had fallen asleep. I was woken to him screaming, saying a Victorian woman was standing over me, watching me sleep, and told him very aggressively that he needs to leave. (laughs) I kind of don't mind that. She had a good judgment on him, so yeah, there it is. I didn't believe in ghosts until I lived with one for ten years. The end. Holy shit. Wow, what a fucking turn of events. First, this woman scaring the shit out of you. And then, down the line, she's warning you about a future fuckboy and telling him to get the fuck out. You know what? I feel like she was like, listen, check out this scrambling around baby. That's your future if you sleep with this fuckboy. <laughs> For real. For because real. Because you know he's going to be like, oh, yeah, baby, I pull out. And then you end up with a fucking scrambling around, crawling backwards-ass baby on your floor. Don't end up with a contorted baby. Don't date fuckboys. Yeah, pretty much. This has been this has been a public service <laughs> announcement approved by the ghoulie girl. <laughs> All right, Lily, what is your second story? So this one's called A Murder Predicted by a Serial Killer. Do you remember... Have we done a serial killer episode yet? I know we've talked about doing one. Um, I know we've talked about, like, murder mysteries, um, but I don't think we've actually talked about serial killers. Okay, so that could be one coming up. Okay, stay tuned, guys. Um, One of the most fascinating ones to me um, is a man named David Berkowitz. Um, and he was also known as Son of Sam. Okay. Okay. So maybe I know if you've seen if you've seen his picture, and he was in that um, Netflix, I think, did like a mini series about serial killers, um, and he was featured in it. Not him himself, an actor portraying him. Yeah, the character yeah. was featured. So he became infamous in the 1970s, but not many people know that he could also predict the future. Well, sort of. Berkowitz was re- was in car. I almost said reincarcerated, like fucking <laughs> combining reincarnation with incarcerated. My fucking two and a half hours of sleep ass over here. All right. 
David Berkowitz was incarcerated when 39-year-old Ronald Sisman and 20-year-old Elizabeth Platzman were beaten and shot to death in their Manhattan home in the early morning hours of Halloween in 1981, reports the New York Times. A fellow prisoner claimed that the son of Sam had previously told him that a cult was planning to carry out just such a massacre. Berkowitz was allegedly even able to describe the victim's apartment to a T, but police didn't have enough evidence to charge him with involvement in the murders, which remain unsolved. That is fucking crazy. Yeah. Wait, is this guy dead? Yeah. Okay. Because I was going to say, maybe maybe you need to reach out to him to be a psychic. <gasps> Honestly! <laughs> But I, I guess I guess we have to communicate with him from beyond the grave now. So yeah, pretty much. I don't know if I want to communicate with him anyway. Scratch that idea. I'm not really the best at ideas. Yeah, oh, yeah. I was about. Yeah, maybe not. I think we should just leave him wherever he is. Okay. So my next story is titled "Ready to Tell It." My dad died on Halloween. You know how when someone discusses a loved one's passing, they talk about the signs, the premonitions, and the presence? I lost my dad just a couple weeks ago, and I had all these. So just two weeks before his passing, I visited him, and we had a big family get-together with dinner. My dad and I had a difficult relationship in some ways because he liked to keep pretty isolated, or maybe I didn't visit enough. I'm not sure of which now. Anyway, at this visit, he'd gotten a haircut and a shave, and he looked healthier and more presentable than he had in the last two years. I brought a dish I was sure he'd have nothing to do with, and he ate with me and said how delicious it was. I put on the eagles, and we sang, take it easy. At the end of the night, he let me hug and kiss him goodbye, which he has never done in his life. I told my dad I was moving to the coast to be near the ocean. He asked if he can come see me when I got there, as he had never been to the ocean. I promised he could, despite my shock at the idea he would even come. We spent time dreaming of how wonderful it was going to be when he came. Afterward, my husband said it was the best visit we ever had with Dad. It was. I really looked forward to seeing him on his birthday, November 2nd, not knowing I would not get the chance to ever see him again, losing him two days beforehand. So later in the week, my husband and I went for a walk and he asked why I cared so much to do research on my family tree. I told him how a couple years back I had finally done my dad's tree and all the things I learned, including the very interesting story I shared with my husband about how my simple father was actually a talented musician. I literally sang the only song I ever remember him writing as we walked. It was about one of the last prisoners executed at the Don Jail, who I'm pretty sure Dad named me after. It's a sad song about the father of the prisoner attending and mourning his son's hanging. My husband got very quiet and noted how unusually deep and somber the conversation had turned. I agreed, but it felt right to talk about it at the time. A week later, my daughter said that my dad had tried to call her, but she was unavailable. I don't think he's ever tried to call her before, so I tried to call him back, but his number came up as out of service. I have no explanation for how this occurred within 30 minutes of him calling my daughter. I had a bad feeling, so I tried to call my mom, who is his ex-wife, but she was still good friends with and lived close by. No answer. I told myself to just let it go and stop worrying. Early Halloween morning, my husband was up late as uh, was up late as usual working on some papers at a local cafe. I woke up at 12.24 a.m. and called him anxious and asked him where he was and when he'd be back. He accused me of behaving strangely and he said he was where he always was and would be, would be back soon. I woke again at 1.50 a.m. after what could be described as a panic and called him again to discover he was downstairs in our house. I was disoriented and he accused me again of acting, quote, very weird. I wrote it off and went to sleep, barely remembering anything of it by morning. This has never happened. The following day, I had scheduled off work for an appointment, which turned out to be very lucky because I was still in bed instead of being at my desk 90 minutes away, where I normally would have been when my brother called me and told me dad had died the night before. I left quickly with my husband to go where my dad and my family lived. In the car, I started crying. My husband gently asked what I was thinking about, and I said, I woke up and I called you last night. I can already tell you that's when he went. I was right. We got there and dad had died at 12.25 a.m. Halloween morning. My mom divorced my dad over 30 years ago. He never did divorce her and never loved another. 
He should have died on his apartment floor alone, but she came to visit him that afternoon and insisted on bringing him to the hospital after seeing he was unwell. He was admitted and stabilized after arrhythmia. She told him she loved him and she would let us know he was in the hospital and that she would visit in the morning. That wily old bird passed away just a couple minutes after the love of his life left his bedside, and I'm certain that was deliberate. For the next several days, Take It Easy played on a continuous loop in my head. I thought I was going insane, and I couldn't make it stop. After the funeral, after my eulogy at the end, of which I played Take It Easy, it finally did. I had spent the days asking for a sign from Dad that he was okay. I now believe this endless repetitive music in my head was his goodbye to me. I'm still going to move next to the ocean, Dad, and when I do, I promise I'll take you with me. And then edit. One last thing. I found an envelope of cash in Dad's apartment when I went to empty it with my sister. Not much money, but obviously took a long time for him to save, as 4500 was a lot for a man as poor as him. I split it with my two siblings, and I immediately took some of my share to get a tattoo. Of course, it is to remember my father, and it is at my right shoulder where he always was in life, and most certainly is now. It was like he put that there for us to find. It was under a pile of laundry on his bed of all strange places, in an envelope, wrapped in a bag the end yo i don't like that what do you mean i like i i like the take it easy by the eagles you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um god i don't i you know what i think that it's it's hard because clearly it seems like there was a very strained relationship between the two. And I think towards the end, the father acknowledged that and realized that in that time being, he would do the most he could to kind of like redeem himself and try to like, and try and try to make amends with whatever toxic kind of relationship they had for that time. Um, I don't know if toxic's the right word, but clearly there was some strain. Um, yeah. And then once he passed away, um, because she wasn't there to say bye, I think that this was kind of his way of being like, you know, I may have not been there for you all your life in the way that maybe you want me to be, but I want you to know that I always will be with you, um, in the way you've always wanted forever. Um, yeah. so, you know, the, the, the money in the, in the bag sounds sketchy, <laughs> but, um, I think that, um. I think that when you're stuck in an apartment like that, clearly this guy was sick for a while. Yeah. Um, it seems like with good intentions, he was saving that money and unfortunately didn't tell anyone it was there. Probably would have been a smart idea, but um, I guess <laughs> I guess he figured that his kids were smart enough that they would eventually find it, even if it wasn't as soon as he'd like. You know what's interesting is my aunt did something similar. Really? With, like, the, I mean, kind of, where she had, you know, not, like, hidden away, but she had sorted, right, everything that she wanted to go to which specific person. Oh, well, that's good. It's good to have that stuff planned out. It's it's very freaky to talk about that stuff, like, planning your own death. <laughs> yeah. But um, it, really, it really is important to do. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Do I have one more story? You do. Or do I not? Am I done? You know, you have one more story. And then if you want, you can do a fourth story, too, if you wanted. No. Okay. So I actually found a better one. Okay. Okay. So this, this is going to be your last one? Reddit because the other ones were all, like, when I was scrolling through the um, listicle, all the titles sounded good, and I skimmed them all. But then I saw that they would, like, turn into ads for other articles. Mm-hmm. So it would be like, you know, oh, this guy got kidnapped on Halloween. Read Halloween safety precautions on this article. And I was like, okay, nah, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. <laughs> so Reddit, my last story is from Reddit, and it's a little long, and it's r slash Halloween stories. Okay. The username is Maximum Powers 69 Love it. Um, and it's called My Halloween VR Experience. All right, let's hear it. We didn't do this, right? Somewhere else? Which one? 
my Halloween VR experience, right? It sounds familiar. I don't remember that one, to be honest. But maybe just because I read it this afternoon. Okay. So yeah, knows? I've never. Yeah, I've never heard of it. Yeah. So, um, it says so. This happened a couple of years ago when I was eighteen. I had just finished high school and was only working part time, so I had tons of free time, and most of it was spent with my girlfriend. When Halloween came, we made plans to attend a friend's party. But that fell apart in a big way. Long story. Sorry, guys. And Lily's legendary yawn. Okay. And so we decided to have some fun and seek out some haunted houses. We live in one of the biggest cities in the Midwest, so there was a lot to choose from. My guess is either Minneapolis or Chicago for those. Right? I, well... I've not, I don't really know Minneapolis like that, so. Those are just two of the biggest cities in the mid. Oh, St. Louis, maybe. Yeah, I'm not. That that's that's your region. I'm I'm just all Jersey, so. Yeah, I, I, I'm also just nosy. <laughs> like I I hate when people are like, oh, like give me something big. Like I'm from one of the largest cities. Like just say you're from Indianapolis. It's okay, sis. <laughs> Anyways, um. Most of the places we visited were pretty cheesy. Some guy in a bedsheet jumping out and yelling, boo, the occasional plastic spider, you know, the stuff. But then we came to one that was really something else. It was a fairly small booth set up down a busy pedestrian street and was marketing some sort of tech company, Virtua something maybe? I don't know. I had never heard of it before, and I didn't really bother trying to remember it. Besides, it wasn't the company that was supposed to draw your attention. It was the sign, which read, Experience Pure Horror in VR, which stands for virtual reality, for anyone who didn't know or wasn't sure in this context what it meant. Now, I always thought that VR was cool, but being a broke teenager, I never actually had the chance to use it. So I was pretty excited. My girlfriend felt differently. Normally, she was a huge horror junkie, but this time she seemed spooked. I asked her what was up, and she said it just felt off for her. I shrugged my shoulders, told her to wait for me to come back, and I stepped into the booth. Inside the booth, an admittedly quite attractive lady directed me to a chair and placed a VR headset on me. She asked me if I was ready, and when I said yes, the screen turned on, and I immediately found myself in the most immersive virtual world I had ever been in. The graphics were amazing. Not quite photorealistic, but the total immersion of VR made that irrelevant. I felt like I was really in that world. Within the simulation, I was strapped to a rail car. There was no real way to move, but I could rotate my head and look around me. As the rail car started, I was brought through an amusement park-esque haunted house experience. At first, it was really tame and thus kind of lame. Lots of ghosts and vampires and other basic stuff, though the sheer immersion did not make it did make it a bit more interesting than a regular haunted house. And that's what I was going to say was like, this is like, if they had to pay fucking money well spent, because Mm -hmm. it's not, you, you get like the, all these different types of VR, but you never get like a haunted house on Halloween VR. That sounds pretty fucking dope. You know, like I've done VR before with my brother and his tech nerd friends. (laughs) Dude, motion sickness city. Oh, for sure. It's crazy how fucking real it really does feel. Right? Like, there was one part where um, I was standing on a ledge and, um, like, because the whole thing was, like, you're flying and finding portals and everything, and my brother's... I'm standing on the floor, um, and my brother's friend is like, you know, okay, Lil, just jump. Just jump up and down. (laughs) And I'm like, why would I jump up and down? He's like, because it senses your motion. That's how you get into the portal. So I jump, and then I took a step forward, like, in my land, because I didn't land <laughs> solid. And I, even even though I was still, I fucking face-planted onto the tile floor of my basement because oh, it felt so God. fucking real. That's amazing. I'm shocked they didn't film me. 
So they fucked up. They diddly darn fucked up. So um, within the simulation, I was strapped to a rail car. There was, oh wait, I read that part, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now the whole experience was mostly like that. Just generic Halloween monsters and jump scares. But what really sold the experience was the narration. The narrator had a soft but confident voice. It really reminded me of a college professor. In fact, what he was talking about was kind of like a lecture, too, as he kept going on and on about the inevitability of death, man's irrelevance to nature, and how God didn't exist. That's some deep shit, man. This guy's just trying to have some fun on Halloween, but okay. That's like that one cousin or aunt who comes into Thanksgiving and makes it all depressing. Oh, 1,000%. There's either that drunk aunt that, like, just makes, is, like, the life of the party, or Mm -hmm. that drunk aunt or uncle that's just an absolute train wreck and just brings everyone down with them. Oh, yeah, for sure. I can't wait to see which one I turn out to be. (laughs) Stay tuned, guys. Keep listening. Stay tuned. Just Glory thing, season 82. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Uh, ba, 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 ba. shit fuck me where am I um the monsters narrator emptiness of e- right emptiness of existence the as the ride went on the voice kept talking in my ear I found myself getting more and more scared not at any one thing but just the way the narrator would distract me just enough for the monsters to take me by surprise and then when I was used to the monsters the narrator would come back into focus, sorry, and remind me of the emptiness of existence. Ooh. That's my inner monologue at 3 a.m. <laughs> when I can't sleep. As the narration went on, things started to get more personal. He started to shift ghosts, shift focus away from God and nihilism and onto my family and loved ones. Dude, why are you still doing this fucking VR? Holy shit. (laughs) He started asking me if I loved my girlfriend more for her personality or for her body. He asked me if I thought my parents were happy that I was born. As he was saying these things, the monsters jumping out started to change. Instead of zombies and vampires, it was my father covered in blood, my mom with her wrist slit, my girlfriend... Mm with her with half her face blown off yo this is turning into like a twilight zone black mirror episode really facts at one point the monster that jumped out was me at the age of 14 he was holding a gun and the narrator asked me if i was truly happy that i hadn't killed myself i don't even know how he could have known about that eventually the ride came to an end The rail car stopped and a hooded man appeared. He spoke to me and I realized he was the narrator. (laughs) He said that though my journey was at an end, he was going to leave me with something that would make me remember it for the rest of my life. He then pulled out a knife and ran it across my forehead. (gasps) The screen went black and the headset was lifted off of me by, by the attractive assistant. I thanked her and walked outside to meet my girlfriend. I told her all about the experience and how immersive it was and what she had to say once I was done will stick with me forever. She pointed at my forehead and said, how did you get that cut? (gasps) No! Yeah, so to clear things up, he was still in the VR when he got the slice on the forehead. Stop it. Took off the VR... And then went to meet his girlfriend, and the girlfriend was like, how'd you get that cut? Fucking A, man. Happy Halloween! Oh, my God. That is so creepy. I had the chills. I know. (sighs) Okay. I don't know if I could beat that one, but my last story is titled, My House on the Hill. When I was a kid, I lived in Wisconsin from around a few months old to around nine years. Even though I was young, this was one of the only things I distinctly distinctly remember from my time living there my family moved around a couple of times within that period but near the end of a but near the end of us living there we built our own house on top of a large hill that was owned by my grandparents 
The house was beautiful and my parents put so much money and hard work into it. Now, I've always been scared of the paranormal, but I definitely believe in it. Nothing strange was noticed initially, but on Halloween, cliche, I know, but it's true. One night, my sister had a sleepover with her friends and decided to use a Ouija board. Those things are creepy, and I never touched one anymore. I don't know if they got anything, but after that, we started to notice little things happening. There was a small patch of woods on the edge of the property, but still not far from the house. My dog would never go near those woods, even if my siblings and I would go play in there. And I mean never, not even during the day. Every night when we let him out for the night, he would run out the door and immediately bark at the woods, like a back-off kind of bark. Other dog Ooh. owners would know. Yes, I would. He would go do his business quickly and run back to the house. He never liked to leave the lit area on the patio for longer than necessary and wouldn't go in the direction of the woods ever. We didn't really think anything of it. Most thought there was an animal. Oh, most of us thought there was an animal he saw or something, but that wasn't it. My sister's room in the house was in the corner closest to the woods. She used to sleepwalk, which I heard some people say that sleepwalking is related to the influence of paranormal activity. I don't know if it's true, but I kind of believe it. She would also have a recurring dream every night. In the dream, her field of vision was low, like she was on the floor, and it was checkered tile on the floor. There were two people, indistinct like silhouettes, talking with their backs to her in the distance. Every night, she would get slightly closer to the people talking. She thought it was strange, but other than that, she assumed it was nothing. I thought it was creepy as hell. As a kid, I also experienced terrible ear infections to the point where I would be awake for hours crying like crazy. I also had a seizure once or twice as a baby. These could be unrelated, but I'm not so sure now. The big, no the big thing to note was when we were moving out, my dad was alone in the house taking down our lights in our rooms. He said he heard laughing from downstairs, which sounded like kids. He was home alone, so he thought that some neighbor kid had come, so he yelled, Hello? After he said that, the laughing was quiet until he heard it again when on the phone was my aunt. She also says that while he was talking to her, he asked hello again and told her that he heard the laughing again. Nothing especially dangerous happened, but it was scary enough for me and I never forgot it and never will. Even now, the people that have moved in after us have reported that baby toys and dog toys have gone missing. My dad, who is kind of sensitive to the paranormal, says that he had a dream once of a shadowy figure leaning over the new owner's baby crib while the baby was sleeping. The baby's nursery is the same room that was my sister's closest to the woods. We only ever thought about this stuff after moving out, and since then I haven't gotten another ear infection ever, and my sister has never sleepwalked or had that recurring dream again. Today we think about it. And we have a theory that the hill was some sort of Native American burial ground because Wisconsin has many of those, but we don't know for sure. Ooh, that is quite likely. Yeah, that is so creepy. The sleepwalking and then the fact that the father had a dream about the new owner's baby being looked over by this dark shadow. Yeah. That doesn't sit and, right with me. And I am, especially, I'm a strong believer in um native american because they were so spiritual and also the energy which i know it was just columbus day right and i tr we we both try to kind of stay away from talking about anything too controversial on the podcast mm -hmm. to avoid backlash and you know make sure that no one feels alienated against but when we talk about Native American burial grounds, there are two types. There are the types of burial grounds which were designed and constructed by Native Americans for Native Americans. Mm -hmm. And then there are the ones which were filled with the trauma of death of Native Americans who passed away after settlers came. Yeah. So there's a lot of spirituality there, regardless of if it's the trauma of an untimely, unjust death mm -hmm. or how spiritually connected they were. Because I, I remember when I went out to Colorado, um, my parents really wanted us to kind of, you know, learn about all different cultures and all about what it was like out West for the gold rush and the mountains and, you know, 
the people who had climbed the Rockies and we went and we did a lot of sightseeing, but we also went to a native American reservation and witnessed like a nightly ritual. And they did some demonstrations there. Interesting. You, you know, and it was fascinating to see. And I, and they are such, you know, their, their connections to spirits and that being so much of their culture that of course there's energy there. So anything happening on a burial ground Mm-hmm. It is quite possible that that was kind of triggering this activity. But yeah, what what's for me is, so I did get a little lost at one point. So the man had moved out, but was picturing the new owner's baby being watched over by a ghost. Yes, yes. Because I guess they still kept in contact with the new owners. The new okay. owners were saying that baby toys and dog toys were being moved. Um, I'm not sure if he had this this dream before contacting or being in contact with the owners mm-hmm. when then they said that they um, were having these experiences or they said, oh, yeah, things have been moved, and then he had that dream. So I'm not sure the the chronological order isn't described in this story, but we can only yeah. assume. Yeah. E- either way. Fucked wow. up. Yeah. That's and there's a lot of content in there too, and you get the different forms of potential paranormal activity, right? You have like the like nightmare visions, you have the sleepwalking, you have the toys disappearing and going off. Like, there's a lot there mm-hmm. to kind of show that there must have been some type of spirit, good or bad, ready to communicate with whatever it took. Yeah. Wow, this was a nice ep- I say that every time. I'm like the fucking like this is the one time I I'm in a positive mindset is when we're done recording. I'm like, "Wow, we did such a good job." I just think we're fucking awesome. Uh, you know what? I agree. But so on 100% that note, of hosts yeah. of the show are agreeing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, on that cocky note, um that concludes this episode of Just Ghouly Things. Uh, so, Lily, do you have anything to wrap us up with before we start shouting out the socials? Um, whew, 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 whew. um stay safe this Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Maybe something cute you could do for a costume would be to buy our merch and dress up as a booth thing. Oh, that is the fucking Halloween costume of 2020. Yes. Okay. So... Without further ado, let's get started with those socials. Follow us on Instagram at Just Ghoulie Things Podcast. Our personal Instagrams at Rebecca Ruber and at Lily Baldessari. Twitter, JGT Podcast. Facebook like page, Just Ghoulie Things Podcast. Facebook private group, Just Ghoulie Things Podcast. Group. Donate to our Patreon. Just go. I'm so tired. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Just Gooey Things Podcast. And if you or someone you know has a paranormal story they'd like to share, email us at. Oh, yeah. Just Gooey Things Podcast at gmail.com. Say what? Oh. <laughs> oh, and buy our merch at Tea Public. <laughs> All right, Boo Thanks. Thanks so much for listening to this crazy episode, and we will talk to Boo next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.